Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. It's P and Q here, Philippa Hall in my hair salon, so my rules. And Dumpty Dum's very own QR code, Quentin Rayner, dumping curds with Philippa for the next 60 minutes. And with nostrils pressed to the glass, there's you lot, our lovely Dumpty Dummers, who seem to like nothing better than peering through other people's windows. This week's Dumpty Dum tune is from Jenny, and on this episode we hear the thoughts of... Andrea from Brittany, the one and only Rob, not once but twice, new caller in a Ros, Ambridge Pony Club Jen, Lily answering the call, bewildered and concerned Darcy, probate Paul, Helen, not that one, Stephen who's tetchy about Titch, Catherine on marital secrets, cutting remarks from Sarah from Smethwick, musical Marie Bray, echoes of Claire from Clapham, Jeff with a reality check, spelt with a Q, and a ghostly witherspoon, topped off by a non of Ambridge and Jacqueline's stitch-up at the mash-up. My word, that's that's quite a list, isn't it? I, I, that is, I, th- I reckon that's more than we ever had at the height of our popularity, Philippa. It's wonderful. When we were number two in the Apple chart, podcast chart. Thank you very much for the response. Yes, nice to be back for for this special week. Well, uh, there's even more, folks. Uh, there's more bull from Stephen as he continues with his history of Ambridge, Tweet of the Week and the Facebook Roundup. 
Marvellous. Thank you all so much for your calls. You are absolutely brilliant. But before Q and I start chatting too much, let's remind ourselves of what happened this week with a roundup of the week in Ambridge from R. Suey. Hello, my lovelies. It's Suey, Queen or Tart on the Twitters here, and another week in Ambridge. And what an odd week. We started, as the scriptwriters meant us to go on, with a rollicking good argument between Helen and Tom, which could have been about the open day, but we all know it was really about the photo shoot. George turned into Ambridge's Steven Spielberg and shot footage of Sausage Boy Tom to be able to show at the open day without Tom being there. And then Helen and Tom had another argument, which made it clear it was really all about the photo shoot with the twins and not Tom's drivel about organic farming. The whole Aldridge clan, the ones who still live in Ambridge, went to Brian's for Keeve and something special and vegan bought in for Kate. Jennifer turns out to have left Martha and only Martha money in her will. Well, that'll lead to trouble all round, as a will tends to do. Kate and Adam are right put out. The open day seemed to go well, except for a lack of working QR code for Ardil, which left him with a guided tour from George, who was told basically he'd need to pull his finger out and work hard. Oh, and a cheese machine went rogue in front of the people looking through the window. Adam had to divert attention by talking about yoghurt and ice cream making while Susan fixed the cheese machine. All seemed sunny and rosy at Bridge Farm, so there's plenty of opportunity for that to go wrong. Henry and what's-his-face set up a treasure hunt for Lee to win the prize of a guidebook on San Francisco. Definitely not an engagement ring. Who thinks children would be buying the engagement ring if there even was one? Lee and Helen stumbled around, failing to solve children's rhyming systems and logic, so Susan had to save the day. Sounds like another Blue Peter Badge moment for her. Helen waved recognition in Susan's face with a blog post, whereas Susan asked for cold, hard cash for both her and Clary. Alice had a big wobbly about what the legacy means about her parenting skills, and Brian said they're there a lot. It turns out that Justin is not just buying on the shop so that he can set up the EV charging station shop, but he's also trying to be Crown Borchester Business Angel of the Year. He is competing for this with Martin Gibson, who seems more likely to win the Borchester Shit of the Year award, frankly. Honour is satisfied with a signature from Jolene and Harrison in return for filthy lucre from Justin towards the Eurovision party. Pat has been shooting the pigeons. This seems very odd. She should have called Brian in, although I suppose pigeons don't have the allure of pheasants and a Jenny Darling venison stew. There's been apparently a steady stream of interested visitors at the new dairy window. I had to read that on the BBC because I fell asleep during that bit. Chelsea sabotaged George's haircut and Susan saved the day again. I thought this would end up with a pudding bowl in Ambridge View's kitchen, but apparently she got another hairdresser and made him sausage and mash for dinner to cheer him up. George told her she's the best, and Susan told him he's a good lad. She is quite frankly delusional. Also delusional this week were Jack and Lee, who have been ordering Lee's Marvel figures in order of strength and kindness. What we need to know is, did they take them out of the boxes? George and Brad... This is weird. George and Brad got thrown out of a taxi. Brad, Brad suggested they tell ghost stories. So they broke into Grey Gables through a window 
George asked Brad to take a video of him, therefore just casting off his film director aspirations. Susan and Helen met up for Helen to patronise Susan and for Susan to demand the aforementioned cold hard cash. Helen agreed to give both Susan and Clary a small pay rise. I'm hoping she's also going to write the blog post about them. They will review the job description. Susan then spotted a police car arriving and selflessly volunteered to stay to offer moral support. She was sent off with a flea in her ear. Harrison came in and once Susan left, told Helen that Rob Titchener is back in the country. It's only taken a few years and a declaration that Lee will take care of her to put public enemy number one back on the radar. Now that is a doof, doof, doof moment if ever we heard one. Until next week then, my lovelies, I hope it's a good one. Thank you very much indeed, Suey. Borsetshire Shit of the Year. I quite like that award. Has there been a sewage leak in the am, I asked myself, Philippa. <laughs> now, uh, if you're wondering where the Brummie and French accents have gone to, fret not. Royfield and Jacqueline are taking a week off to go Easter egg hunting once they've tracked down where we've hidden them, ably helped by Lee. So that's going to take quite a while, isn't it? <laughs> We might be here next week, Philippa. <laughs> well, I have to ask the question. I haven't asked it on Dumpty Dum for quite a few months, but Q, how has your week been? This sounds like I'm a, I'm a globetrotter, doesn't it? Because the last time we did this, I was battling power cuts in the Bahamas, wasn't I? <laughs> and uh, here I am back at our static caravan in North Cornwall and uh, <laughs> fretting about Wi-Fi as to whether... I'd be able to talk to you. Uh, th- thankfully, uh, a man, I was going to say a man in a van, he was actually in a, in a VW Golf, turned up and sorted out the campsite Wi-Fi. So fingers crossed. Uh, it'll work. So, yeah, we, we, I, whenever we come down here the first week, it's sort of, it's a maintenance and admin week. It's not really a holiday. I know you are. <laughs> not at all. So I have been weeding a lot. <laughs> weeding. They like because they down here, um, there's a sort of wild parsnip type thing. And parsnip's roots are very long. So I spent about six hours weeding to make our plot look half decent. There you go. Um, we had a, a flood. Uh, one of our radiators leaked, so we had to sort that out. Uh, but in between, we've done some nice things. I've played tennis, been on the beach, been for a walk. Actually picked up a book. Oh, what book? You. What are you reading? Uh, the Kit Deval one about her life uh, oh, uh, yes. in uh, her Jehovah's very good. family. I only read two chapters so far, but I will get to the end of it by the end of the year, I promise. <laughs> um, but we're off to a nice f- family meal uh, at a pub after this, because it's Easter Sunday, of course. So we're going to a pub run by one of uh, Rick Stein's sons, actually. So there you go. Fascinating fact uh, about static caravans, which I picked up from <laughs> our chap who sorted out our flood. Are you ready for this? <laughs> no. Here's a question. No, no, no. How long, how long do you think it takes to construct a static caravan? Do I how long? actually how many... care? Um, uh, how long to construct a static? Too long. Three weeks. Take a guess. And a day. Three, I'm guessing. Three weeks, a day and an hour and a minute. It's not even an hour. 28 minutes, apparently. It comes as, as kit form. and It's like at the pit, the pit lane in Formula One. Little teams descend on certain areas and bolt it all together in 28 minutes. Apparently... I'll, be, I'll wait to be corrected about this. I was staggered. I thought ours had been crafted over weeks. We're not going to be number two in the charts to talk of static caravans. This is, this is not. Oh, well, we will. It's, it's, a, it's our audience, I'm telling you. Yes, there you go. Yeah, 28 minutes. Couldn't believe it. And they're all made in Hull. Hull is the centre of static caravans. Anyway, I bet your week's been more interesting. Uh, well, 
it's been a very busy week, but I've just been so excited about coming back on Dumpty Dum. But of course, today it's Easter Sunday. We need to talk about Easter eggs before we go anywhere else. Q, what? I mean, I think I know the the answer to this question if I had to guess. But what is your preferred Easter egg? Well, we uh, hooked up earlier in the week, didn't we? Um, <clears throat> in Vision, for us to check everything was working, and before you even said hello, you spotted. <laughs> our Easter eggs on the shelf behind me. <laughs> Three of the same. Three. Three of the same. It's got to be a cream egg. Yeah. A cream egg, Cadbury's. Yes. I cannot wait to get into that. Uh, presumably you've got some. Yes, I've got a Cadbury. See, it's just got to be chocolate for me. None of that cream egg nonsense. So I've got a Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chunky Egg. It's a new one that they've done. Extra thick chocolate and i'm very excited about that i may need a hammer to smash it are you more excited about that than presenting co-hosting dumpty dum again? no That's honestly i've not been sleeping i've just been so excited talking to everyone again talking to you so <laughs> yes i'm just glad happy to be here that's me happy to be here of shropshire anyway that's enough about us and static caravans let's get on to the important bit which is you our wonderful caller inners. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Andrea from Brittany, who's searching for the right word for something beginning with H. Hi, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Andrea from beautiful Brittany. A special hello to Philippa and Quentin. My first time as a P&Q caller in Iran, so it's lovely to speak to you. I'm calling in today for some help. I usually consider myself reasonably articulate. And when our son was younger, a common phrase in our house was use descriptive words. However, when it comes to Helen Archer, my descriptive words just disappear. And all I can think is just bloody woman. I've been listening to the Archers since the mid 90s. And I don't think I've ever liked Helen, but I can't remember why that started now. Could anyone help me there and tell me? I've got a feeling she was horrible to Haley after John died and Haley got together with Roy. Or I could be making up that based on my own biases. I really liked Hayley, so perhaps I disliked all the archers for John doing the dirty on Hayley with the caramel bunny-voiced Sharon. And last week, when Helen guessed that Tom was taking the wicked agrochemical job, I cheered. Yep, actually physically cheered as she was having a go at him. But this week, a constant needling of him has just sent me right back to the default position. I just think you've had your say, Helen. Now say something new or shut up. And why can't she see that she's changed Clary and Susan's working conditions by installing the new window? I'm worried for Clary Love's work, and I hope she's not going to cause another food poisoning incident because she's too stressed. If she does, it'll be Helen's fault. And also, Helen didn't die in childbirth while having Henry, so that meant that Nigel died instead. So dear sweet Nigel's death is also her fault. So now over to you lot. What other reasons are there for me to dislike Helen? Or am I just wrong and she's actually a really nice person? Please, someone tell me. <laughs> well, n- nice to hear from you, Andrea. Mm. Uh, uh, your first P&Q call, so uh, welcome aboard. Mm. Helen really, really gets under people's skin. Uh, I-, I know a majority of-, of listeners to the Archers are women, but she seems to really irritate women, I've noticed. And uh, you are you describe her as a bloody woman. Um, I-, I find her grating myself. What's been interesting this week is that, because nobody else in my family can bear to listen to the Archers, I've listened to most of the week through AirPods or AirFans, so you, you can really hear the nuances in the actors' voices. 
And um, the thing about Helen is that her default is sort of falsely friendly, isn't it? Uh, it's worse than patronising, I reckon. Uh, and I always feel her apparent jocularity is all forced and, you know, she's got this rictus grin on her face. And her, and her natural killjoy instincts are always barely beneath the surface, often boiling over into sanctimony. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Helen, uh, but the acting is... When Rob was mentioned that he might be back, if you listened through uh, headphones or whatever, you could really hear the change in tone. And uh, that was really good acting, I thought. And you could hear the terror in her voice. So um, I was all with her when she piled into Tom, mind you, who isn't normally, um, because I thought she was right to say, hold on, you can't stand up to be an organic farm and be with this lot, the agrochemical lot. But of course, it was the manner in, the w- in which she did it. And it's always Helen's manner, I think, that really makes people's skin creep. So I hope that's helped, Andrea. Um, anything else to add? <laughs> oh, um, where to start? Well, OK, yes. I mean, I agree with everything Andrea has said. I really do. And I just want to talk about this guide to San Francisco. I'm sorry. You're buying a guide for someone so he can read about all the lovely things his ex-wife and his daughters are going to be doing. It could be 10 years till they can afford a flight. So all they're doing is making it worse. I haven't. It just shows the lack of emotional intelligence Helen has. I just thought it was the worst gift. Why not just buy him a Wolverine toy instead? He'd have been much happier with that traipsing around the farm trying to find this gift that was not a gift at all no i'm sorry helen you're out there was a fantastic line wasn't there from pat helen has never given me the slightest hint that she wants to marry you and he replied oh that's interesting (laughs) what a put down but again pat has no no emotional intelligence to realize about that and lee's just sort of trundling along holding his spider-man doll just being led along honestly but we've we've got a lot to get through so yeah andrew that was a great first call particularly on helen as well we've got lots on helen haven't we no thank you so much now let's hear from rob who's always game for a laugh hello there philippa quentin and dumpty numbers around the world my word that takes me back a bit anyhow i did hear a rumor that you two are back because royfield and jacqueline are having to hitchhike to birmingham for the meetup despite having a map-based podcast royfield never knows what continent he's on let alone how he's going to find his way back to his old old time fingers crossed that he finds his way and that jacqueline manages that long swim across Anyway, one of the things that is often found on the Facebook page, and to a lesser extent on the podcast, is a variance of views. Some people love David and Ruth, others find them painful to listen to. Helen is a strong-willed, determined woman, or she is a self-centred, pompous harridan. Some people think that Adam is the most incredibly dull and tedious person on the planet, while others... Well, no, actually, I think that one's pretty unanimous. It is wonderful that the group seems to be capable of having different opinions without falling out of... But I am starting to wonder if this is enough. I think the meetup is an opportunity to settle things once and for all. I'm envisioning a mashup that is less Dumpty Dum and Academic Archers and more Squid Games meets Battle Royale. I imagine there's a big room somewhere in the Symphony Hall so we could start with a massive game of British Bulldog and work our way through jelly wrestling, conkers and rock, paper, scissors. I've already picked my team. I suggest everyone does the same. As Jim would say, out simul stabunt, out simul cadent. See you all in Birmingham. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's great, Rob. Thank you so much. I love this. Yes, uh, they will either stand together or fall together. And I think that's what we'll be doing. I can't wait for Dumpty Dum Live. I really can't. But also, I do have to say, for those people that can't make it, whether um, financial or logistical or whatever, you, there will be the recording to listen to. Don't you to feel like you're missing out too much on it and I'm sorry that we're going to be going on about the the life because it's it is exciting to meet up but still we'll be thinking of those that that can't be with us it it's not long to go though it's maybe they're the sensible ones <laughs> yes well if we're going to you know create this carnage that Rob's decided on then uh, there, there may not be any of us that live to tell the tale I thought I was hearing Jim just then quoting Latin wow very erudite man he is um one thing hasn't occurred to all of us who are going to this meetup is that if it's still going on at three o'clock on the Sunday, we're all going to uh, be interrupted, aren't we? Did you read that story that um, there's going to be a, an, a national mobile phone emergency alert, a 10 second test at three o'clock on the Sunday? So all of us in the hall will be suddenly vibrating and having a little siren going off. So we need to be aware of this because I think it's being recorded then. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? A mass siren going off on our phones. Hey, I just dropped that in for you. That sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds lovely. Such useful facts you're full of today. <laughs> right, and now let's move on to new caller in a Roz, proving it's never too late to discover the podcast. Hello, my name's Roz. I've only just found your podcast, and I'm finding it very interesting. Um, I've been an Archers fan since I was 18, uh, and I'm now 78. So go back a long way. Don't remember all of it. So I find things like your uh, items, like the history of the ball this week. That was jolly interesting. Anyway, you were talking about the fact that Oliver was so generous, first to Ed and now potentially to George. Uh, But he has history because I think long way back, he was also very helpful with Sunil when he was starting his pig business. So maybe that's in the archive somewhere. Anyway, I shall enjoy listening to your podcast in the future. Thanks very much for doing it. Bye. Well, hello, Ross. Uh, 60 years a listener, and she's only just discovered Dumpty Dum. See, it's never too late, Philip. It's never too late. Um, th- there's more bull history coming up in, uh, in, in a few moments, Ros, so uh, don't switch off, <laughs> as if they would. Oliver's one of my favourites. Uh, I, t- I do like Oliver. Uh, I had a bit of a, not spat, but a disagreement on Twitter a couple of weeks ago with somebody who can't stand him because he's so damn jolly. But I, I, I like him. I like Oliver, and he's always been generous. And Ros, I'd completely forgotten that he'd uh, helped out with Neil and his pig business. But see, that helps when you've been listening for 60 years, not about not sort of 60 seconds like me. <laughs> Yeah, like, nice to have you on board, Ross. Yeah, I love Oliver as well. It's just a lovely character. I'm really intrigued to see what on earth George is going to do with this £5,000 investment, though. I do worry about that. Is he going to go into business and compete with Ian and make scone-based pizzas? There was talk about scone-based pizzas this week, You Have you ever had a scone-based pizza? Well, I've had a scone. I've had a scone in the past, yes. <laughs> God, scone, these, these, these Shropshire lasses. But huh? have you had a pizza-based version? Even, 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 even if I had, I would have forgotten. I would have forgotten. But you remember every meal you've ever had. So go. Yeah. Right, off you go. Well, I have to recommend to everyone bagel pizzas. It's something we've done in our house for quite a long time because it's very simple. Just, uh, yeah, if the kids are starving and you need something in two seconds, bagel, bit of ketchup, cheese on top, bit of ham. Boom, there you go, bagel pizza. So I'm interested in what a scone-based pizza 
could be scone scone whatever <laughs> scone scone um but uh yeah i'm interested to hear more of this and whether there will be more pizza okay. references um, can you just <clears throat> sorry i'm working up now um can you uh i i didn't really get the offer oliver was making to george i know he's offered him five thousand pounds but for what well, it's a bit like The Apprentice, you know, I'm going to invest money in your business. And yes, George won't have to go through all the things that the people on The Apprentice have to do, which actually that'd be quite interesting to listen to. The Archers does The Apprentice. Anyway, so he's going to be given a sum of 5000 to invest in a business of his choosing. So whether he will buy more oh. turkeys that turn out to be magpies or pigeons, whether he will start his drug business, let's hope not. Who knows? But it's a sum of money to invest to build up his own little business. Thank you very much. There you go. Next question. Who's who's the next caller? <laughs> I can answer that as well. The next caller is our Jen on Helen the Hypocrite. Greetings, Quentin and Philippa. Uh, lovely to have you back for a guest appearance. Um, Jen here. Following up from my call last week, the storyline with Tom and Helen has continued. Now, yes, it is good to have principles. They should be a highly principled operation. I'm not questioning that. But the fact is Helen isn't principled. She is a hypocrite. Uh, Helen was the one who was leading the way on selling off the land for the housing development. She took money from a housing developer to put concrete and houses and people and roads all over good productive farming land. So how is that any different? Uh, Tom's is on a bigger scale maybe, but she did real concrete damage to the countryside for money for her boys. Same thing. She's also very high-minded and sanctimonious to Tom, saying that she would never commercialise her children. Well, I'm sorry, but she is commercialising her two nieces. She's quite happy for them to be all over the blog. She's quite happy for Tom to use them to flog her cheese, her ice cream, her yogurts, all for no fee. But God forbid he does that for anybody else. Then she will be very judgmental about it. So, And she can afford to have higher principles. Tom doesn't have a best friend letting him live in a beautiful house for very little rent. Tom doesn't have his grandmother handing over the lodge down the line, which Helen does. And then her attitude to, to poor Tom when he was knackered from the twins all night was just disgusting. We all know that Helen had massive of support with both children and a lot of it from Tom when Henry was small and she was pregnant. She wouldn't be getting up and going to work like Natasha is. She wasn't getting up and going to work like Natasha is. She expected everyone else to dance around her and do all the work on the farm. But Tom wants a day off. Oh, Jen, that is absolutely brilliant. That made me smile so much. Yeah, I tried to think of everything that winds me up about Helen and I couldn't list it because it is just everything, everything she does. No wonder Tony's hiding in the garage with his trains and Pat is manically stirring soup. They've got to deal with, with Helen. It's just awful. I mean, yes, this was all before the mention of Rob on Friday and we'll come on to that. And I know obviously that there's a very serious side to that. So I am probably going to get into trouble for 
batting down Helen so much, but I just can't bear her. I really can't. And this bleeding blog is driving me up the wall. Blogs went out of fashion 10 years ago. Helen thinks if she puts something on the blog, suddenly everyone's taking notice of it and it changes the world. Give you a pay rise? No, I'll put you on the blog. Want your children to have a modelling career? No, I'll put you on the blog. That blog is driving me bananas. You feel better now? Yes. Good. Honestly, I every time she goes on about that blog... I mean, I rest my case. I mean, Jen's knowledge of Ambridge's history is, is phenomenal and I know it's fairly recent history. I, I, I'd forgotten Helen was behind selling off the land. So thank you for highlighting that hypocrisy. I, I, I agree with Jen. I think Tom's or rather pushed by Natasha. And he, to be fair to Tom, he did resist, yeah. didn't he? And caved after about three minutes. Um, <laughs> I think they are actually more hypocritical and I think he's right to worry about the reputational damage to Bridge Farm and we all know it's going to go tits up don't we um Jen once again proves and I think your rant has proved Helen gets under women's skin it's extraordinary it really is the other thing that gets under my skin is I just oh god whenever the mention of Sarah and Nova oh god I just oh I want to scream I want to scream and they're stupid names and they're all everybody's gushing and and every, everybody's fawning over these babies. Oh, and, oh, Sarah and Nova, please spare me. Well, no, you see, I'm still a fan of Natasha because she's anti-Helen. She's the opposite to Helen. So, you know, I'm, oh, she's I'm going a money to money-grabbing madam. Yes, and if, it had, if it had been anybody else, if they'd been going up against anybody else about that advert, then I'd have taken the other person's side. But they're going up against Helen, so I'm taking the side, definitely, of Tom and Natasha, and I think it's brilliant. I mean, it, there's been some fatal last words used in The Archers over the last few weeks. Once someone says oh, yeah. a statement, you know trouble's coming. And we heard Adam and Brian talking a couple of weeks ago about the wonderful collaborative uh, family farming at Bridge Farm, how they all worked together, how united they were. You, you, that was just ringing the bell for doom to be round the corner. And here it is. And I've pulled up my chair and I'm ready for it. And that's, that's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> Enough about Helen for now. Let's go on to Lily, who has intel on a potential incel. Hi Philippa and Quentin, this is Lily calling in from Hertfordshire. Last time I rang in, Royfield asked if I could just remind him what I do for a living. So I'm a teacher and that's where my prediction today is kind of coming from, I guess, in that I wonder whether the character of George is going to be developed into more of an incel character, um, maybe because of the kind of the rising concerns and behaviour of young men in society and in schools. Um, epitomised by the role model, if we can call him that, of Andrew Tate, who a lot of young men are emulating or talking about emulating. And George is behaving in a way that I would certainly say is kind of falling into some incel categories. Um, incels, if you're not sure, are um, young people, usually male, who are um, who are involuntarily celibate. So their identity is defined by their lack of sexual experience and they blame women and how society is structured against them, allegedly, for this. And I think the fact that George talked about feeling humiliated by his mother, which is a very interesting choice of language. Um, I know that young people and, and children don't always have a very 
mature response to their parents' love lives. But the choice of humiliated is very interesting. Um, the fact that he, a lot of his relationships and transactions with his female relations are transactional, that he's always looking for what he can get out of the women in his life. Um, and that he also had no concerns about spiking or adjusting Brad's drinks on a night out. So if he's willing to do that with his cousin, he's going to have no consideration for strangers or for young women. Thank you. Great to hear from you, Lily. She's so clearly a teacher, isn't she, Philip? Because <laughs> she's, got, she's got that clarity. Yeah, she's informative, she's fluid, and she uh, offers challenging uh, suggestions. I wonder what she thought of Pat's line. You know how Pat said when um, I think she was talking to Lee about people, it was parents who tend to linger looking through the window. She said, oh, well, they're probably accountants and teachers looking for an easier lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on that, Lily, if you if you would. Uh, but uh, obviously uh, the thrust of her call was um, about George and um, showing characteristics of becoming an incel. And, I, 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 you know, George is a nasty piece of work. He's he's horrible and he's becoming nastier and nastier. I think the thing I dislike the most about him is the way he plays people. He was caught out, wasn't he, by Ed and Will when he was trying to play Oliver the other day. He plays his grandmothers as well, all for personal gain. And uh, as uh, Lily pointed out, often it's to what's is to see what he can get, get get out of the women in his life and he was trying to pull a fast one with Chelsea wasn't he when she was cutting his hair and she was not having any of it um and um that, that was fantastic when she ooh slipped um <laughs> you know, she I, I wrote down um the, uh, the little exchange uh, he says George told Chelsea he would have gone to a proper hairdresser Skilled professional, I'm here because you're my cousin and you're cheap. If I wasn't saving money to go out tomorrow, I would have gone to a proper hairdresser. And that's precisely what Lily is talking about. And it would be very topical if we had an incel storyline, given what's yes, how prominent it is at the moment. So uh, perceptive call there, Lily. I think you're on to something. And more fatal last words, because we heard Susan this week say, oh, you're a good lad, George. And you just yes. thought, oh, here we go. What's going to happen next? And of course, it, it got worse. And the fact that one one of the things George aspires to be is an influencer. You I can't an influencer of turkeys, maybe. I mean, and there are times when I want George to be OK. I do feel for him. He is in this very unusual family dynamic of, you know, living in the same place with his uncle and yes. his father you know it's not easy and I can understand that he gets teased about that and yet as other people have said in previous episodes of Dum Dum and, and on, on this week it's the interaction with women that is particularly worrying and where that's mm. going to end so yeah Lily great call and oh I just want to say about Ardil's motivational talk it sounded like Ardil was I don't know he just like he'd not had coffee for some time. He sounded very boring and just, I don't know, trying to talk to George and not be inspiring. There was no, there was no motivation in his talk. It was just like he, he was, was trying to tell sleep. him you've got to work hard and be a decent person, wasn't he? Whether that went in, well, it clearly didn't go in the way he behaved with Chelsea. Um, I, I put a tweet out about this. I cannot shed the image of Ardil as Rishi Sunak. I'm sorry. Ardil is Rishi Sunak to me. <laughs> I cannot shake this off. I wish I could. It's, it's well, of really course, remember, me. 
12 months ago, we had Kathy bouncing around as the Easter Bunny. I mean, it would be nice yeah. if she could just make a, a comeback from her travels around the world for that. Yeah, but, but oh, I just, I, I don't want Rishi Sunak in my arches, but I, please, I need help. Well, I have help for you because we need to hear from Darcy in the US of A because she's going to tell us how the archers quite literally saved her life. Hi, this is Darcy in Northern California. Preemptive strike, yes, I have a terrible voice and a totally bewildering accent. We all knew Rob was going to come back. We were on tenterhooks for a very long time, and the screenwriters let the fear slowly abate. Without going too far and giving too many particulars, I can truly say that the original Helen and Rob storyline saved my life. I'm not divorced, and I'm safe. Also, I got the dog. But Helen's gut-wrenching fear is extremely real. Thank goodness these girls are safely out of the country. As it is, Rob will come for Jack, Gideon, but he could have used all four kids as bait or pawns for whatever nefarious reasons. The storyline was inevitable, but I hope it is resolved quickly. Thanks. Bye. Oh my goodness, Darcy, that's um, such a powerful call and yes I'm going to be flippant about Helen for most of this episode but not for your call because what you've gone through I'm just thinking of you of your dog and just glad that your situation has improved so much from what it was but honestly Darcy thank you so much for sharing that with us yeah I was listening back to the episode when Rob was last in when he tried to take Jack and Helen had to negotiate for him to hand Jack back to her and at that time she was told by Harrison that Rob would be a person of interest because he'd escaped the country so I am assuming that once he is spotted there will be some action Harrison is actually going to have to dust off his big boy policeman's hat and take some action Um, and so I hope that's the case I hope it's not a protracted one where we hear him interacting with different residents of the village if he's seen I want Harrison there yes. to actually show that he can be a good police person. Yes, absolutely. Great to hear from you, Darcy. I always like Darcy's comments on the Facebook page. They're always short, pithy and very wise. Um, and obviously delighted to hear that you're safe and you, you've got the dog. Um, you said that the fear is real. And going back to what I said earlier in defence of Helen, listening to her acting through her voice, you could hear that that fear and it was tangible. Uh, we got more on, on, on Rob. I know we've got a call from Stephen about this, so we won't go into too much detail. But um, it was inevitable he would come back. I mean, for goodness sake, he would want Jack back. And I always thought, it, to be honest, it was unrealistic that there'd be no sort of custody issue with that. Apparently he's back from Minnesota. There was talk that he's come in from Canada, but he's actually been in Minnesota, according to the sages on Twitter. Um, and I... Inevitable, I agree with you, Darcy. And like you, I actually, I hope it's not protracted, but I got an awful feeling mm. it will be. I did go straight to the cast list for next week to see who was on and he's not listed there on the cast. So I'm uh, hoping yet. he won't be on. But yes, oh dear. But no, Darcy, that was just the most wonderful call. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And um, if you, like the callers we had so far, are thinking you'd like to call in one of these days... 
that the best way is to go to speakpipe.com slash dumpty dum with a T in the middle and send in your message that way. Honestly, it really is ever so easy. And uh, we at the other end will be ever so kind to you, won't we, Philip? We will. Well, Royfield and Jacqueline will next week. We're we're just here for... Yeah, that's what I mean. We, the general yes. we, the royal we. The royal we. Anyway, more calls in a minute. But now we have part two in Stephen's History of the Bull. Now, last week's fascinating episode took us up to 1972. So where are we off to next? This is the BBC live programme. Here is the news. Here is the second two-minute history of the bull. At the end of part one, we left the bull still under Piggy Archer's ownership, but managed by Sid and Polly Perks. The new team's first move was to buy some obsolete Grey Gables kitchen equipment from Jack and open up a steak bar. This only lasted a year before they closed it and reopened it as the Ploughman's Bar, serving homemade food, including pastries and pies, baked by the WI under the indefatigable guidance of Aunt Laura. The food at the Bull was improved further by the arrival in 1977 of Caroline Bone, who had taken a Cordon Bleu cookery course. Over the next couple of years, she worked at the Bull for a while, tried to run a wine bar in Bristol, which failed, returned to the Bull, and then moved on to Grey Gables. Then, in 1983, following Polly Perks' tragic death in a car accident, Cathy Holland arrived in the village. She rented Rose Cottage from Sid and found herself teaching home economics to his daughter, Lucy, at Borchester Green. Love took its course, and Sid and Cathy not only married, but in 1993 bought the Bull from Peggy selling Rose Cottage and getting some help from Guy Pemberton, who took a 25% share. In that year, one of the Bull's most famous residents arrived, Eccles the Peacock. He disappeared shortly afterwards, so Sid and Cathy bought three more peacocks to replace him, Elvis, Marilyn and Madonna. All three met unfortunate ends, but luckily Eccles reappeared. In 1995, Cathy decided to give up teaching and remodel the restaurant at the Bull as the Hassett Room, with a Civil War theme serving authentic 17th century dishes such as Salamagundi and Cromwell pudding. But like the play bar before it, it wasn't a success, and the Hassett Room only lasted a couple of years before becoming a family restaurant offering chips with everything, and Cathy went back to teaching. By this point, Sid and Cathy's marriage was on the rocks. In response, Sid embarked on a health kick, and this led to a marriage-ending affair with local country and western singer Jolene Rogers. Thank you so much for that, Stephen. That's great. Chips with everything. That sounds good to me. But anyway, let's get back to our calls. And Paul's up first. Or should we call him Will? Hello, Philip and Quentin. This is Paul and Olney. Welcome back. I hope that we will continue to hear from you two occasionally when Royfield and Jacqueline need a week off. This week has been a lot going on in the Archers. I'm most interested, I think, in the shenanigans over the will a character death really is the plot line that keeps on giving and keeps on giving we've got jenny having left fifteen thousand pounds was it specifically to martha but leaving it in trust with chris doubly i think showing that she's not sure that alice is really over the alcoholism and wanting to protect her granddaughter and I thought it was very interesting the way that Kate yeah, did that in particular. She's the one I'd have thought would have been up in arms with where's Phoebe's, where's Nolly's, where's Sipo's share of this money. But very relaxed, actually, very serene about it. What we haven't heard is what the rest of the will said. Now, I'm 
thinking maybe it's all gone to Brian. I mean, it, it's common, certainly myself and my wife have wills that leave everything to each other and then to the children. And I'm just wondering, is it in Brian's nature to then make that provision when he dies that similar amounts of money go to the rest of his grandchildren? Or is he just going to leave everything to Rory and cause another ruckus again? Speak soon. Thanks, Paul. Uh, great to hear from you. And um, yeah, I think we're up for more occasional stints on Dumpty Dum, aren't we, Philippa? As and when we get the call yeah, from, from, definitely. From, from Royfield and, and Jacqueline. Um, yeah, this, this bequest, this was bound to come up, wasn't it? The 15,000 just to Martha, but held in mm-hmm. trust by Chris. I, I didn't um, twig that it was held by Chris until... Um, Alice brought it up with Brian and got very upset. Understandably, I can understand uh, her, her, her pain at that, but equally one can understand why Jenny's done it. And it's going to be interesting to see how Alice copes with that. Um, I hope it doesn't knock her confidence too much and that she sees it for what it is. Um, the rest of the will... Uh, yeah, the, sorry, the rest of the will... Would it all go to Brian? I assume it will go to Brian. Uh, but I know that your main concern is who will get the tagines. <laughs> I was shouting at the radio this week again about this particular thing. Did anybody see what date the will had been signed? Nobody looked at that. It could She could have actually done it when Alice was in rehab. Nobody was saying when she'd signed the will. And it was yeah. driving me potty. They were just all making these weird suggestions about what was going on. And then when Brian cooks this roast meal, he does the roast, he does this vegan cauliflower cheese, everything. The one thing they say needed to be improved was the roast potatoes. And they said, oh, we should get you the recipe. The recipe for roast potatoes is potatoes. (laughs) Why would they? Better to have said Yes, it's what it's what it's what it's what you cook them in. Yeah, but you don't sure. need a recipe for that. It's not like you need a long list of ingredients. No, I'm not having it. They were this not is, thinking. This it. is Brian. This is Brian. We're talking no, about. No, but it was. Th- well, you oh. did much more sophisticated stuff than roast potatoes, didn't you? You're it was right. nonsense, and I wasn't yeah. having that. But the week was written by Sarah here, and I do like Sarah's writing. So, Sarah, I'm not saying that about the the writing. It was, it, it was just honestly, Kate. But that date thing. That de- that date point is very interesting because if it was yes. written while she was in rehab, then that would really assuage her concern. Exactly, nobody is looking at the date. They just mm. they just needed to call me up and I'd mm. have told them what to do. And yes, when Brian dies, it's uh, the inheritance tax issues are all going to kick off. You're right, Paul. I think we need uh, Glyn, our resident tax advisor, <laughs> to help us with that one. But. No, that was great, Paul. Thank you so much. And now we go to Helen, who appears to want something to disappear. Hi, Quentin and Philippa. Uh, When I heard you were recording this week, I thought I had to call in. It's my first time as a caller in or I'm Helen in rural Oxfordshire. Uh, Not that Helen, although I am very fond of cheese. Um, I just wanted to say something about the return of Rob Titchener. So when Harrison rocked up... Um, I just assumed straight away he was going to announce that Rob was dead and that would be that. But no, it seems we're in for a long haul of willy-won'ty, perhaps popping up at the cheese window and scaring everyone like the poltergeist at Grey Gables. Um, I've got a horrible feeling this is going to be drawn out for weeks and weeks. Um, Could it be the catalyst that makes Helen and Lee disappear off to America? I do hope so. 
Um, perhaps I'm in a minority for wanting them to disappear, but it's just me. Or could Lee perhaps try out some of his karate moves on Rob? Who knows? I think we'll have to wait and see. Um, and also, I'm wondering what's on the video footage from the poltergeist moment in Grey Gables? Uh, could it be Rob in the background or a real poltergeist? We'll have to find out. Thanks both. I'll call in again sometime. Bye. Oh, Helen, that was a brilliant first time caller in. Well done. That was that was great. And yes, I can only hope that Helen and Lee and the boys go off to the, to the US and we don't have to see them again. That would be fantastic. I just have a vision of <laughs> Helen bricking up that window in the dairy so quickly. She's already there with the cement mixing it and bricking the window back up. And you can just imagine she's there stirring the ice cream and you hear Rob's voice on the intercom. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said I'm going to be flippant about it and I've got to, I have to do the humour, otherwise it's just going to get to me. But also, I love Susan, you know, trying to stay and listen in to what Harrison had to say. And she met Helen in the dairy. So I think Susan went round and listened on the intercom to what they were talking about. I'd love it if she knew and had already gone round the village spreading the word. But yes, could Rob be on the ghost footage? Who knows? But great call, Helen. Thank you. Yeah, it's great that uh, you've decided to call in for the first time, Helen, and uh, nice to have your company. I didn't immediately assume that we, that could presage the departure of Helen and Lee to California. But I'm liking the idea because uh, I, I, <laughs> I find Lee insufferable. I, mean, I just cannot bear the man. I mean, he's almost... And I almost up there with Adam for me. But I think I'd sort of miss Adam because I love moaning about Adam. <laughs> I would not miss Lee. I cannot bear the man. His stupid little Marvel toys and his stupid... He's like a little kid. Do you think when he does a karate chop, he says, hi-ya? Probably. Do you, do you know, I'd almost wish Rob would win any <laughs> fight against Lee. I, I dislike him that much. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's pack him off to California and then we really would be shot of them. Fantastic. This, the, the video footage thing was weird. Uh, Brad's obviously worried because it will prove they've broken in, but could there be somebody on it? Um, what yeah. Uh, I didn't really... It really occurred to me that Rob might have broken in and be living there. Um, I mean, he's going he's gonna to pop up, isn't he? I mean, you've spoiled it. He's not popping up next week. Thanks a lot for that, Philip. I'm looking at the cast list. But he will, he, he, he will, he will pop up. Unless they wanted to keep it secret about him coming back and so he wasn't on the cast list because that would have been public before Friday. So there could right. be that. But that is literally... Within seconds of he hearing that he was back, I was straight on to the cast list just to check that. But anyway, Helen, brilliant call. If you're stuffed with chocolate, everyone, well, here's Catherine with a call typically stuffed with goodies. Jenny's death. Right. I know there were things outside in real life they had to deal with, but what a bizarre thing they've they've created. The idea that Brian and her would have kept this secret from their very close-knit family um, is ludicrous. And also this business with the will. She's a bit of an unreconstructed woman, really, isn't she? Very traditional, where the husband did everything. Brian would have done the will. He would have known about it. So the idea that there's this 15 grand that's gone to one grandchild and not the others, I wonder if they're going to just split it between all the grandchildren, three grand each or how many there are, that would make far more sense. 
Also really hoping, I think the rest of us are, that Brian gets together with, oh, what's her face, the Geordie woman. As usual, I can't remember any names because she'd be just fantastic at making him a bit more lively and all the children would disapprove, particularly Kate, which would just be fantastic radio stuff. Um, I also think that the young people that they've been weaving in for the last, I don't know, year or so are really starting to take root and are plausible characters and it doesn't seem so clumsy as it did when they all said, oh, let's do a young person's thing. I do wish they'd just mention like, you know, Xboxes and stuff rather than calling it games consoles. It's so naff and it, it makes the dialogue sound implausible. But I really like the young people now, still mystified why Grey Gables is still not open as a hotel. Jesus, they could have built a whole conference centre the time they're taking to remodel it. And I wonder why. Also, what's going to happen with... Um, Robert, who I understand sadly has died in real life, but was referred to in an episode recently. So sorry, I'm throwing everything at it. Uh, but it's so nice to have you both back and looking forward to listening to the show. Likewise, Catherine. Fantastic. I told mm. you that it was stuffed, wasn't it? How did she get so much stuff in? My, my pencil is smoking. It's smoking. Let's start with the young people because Catherine really knows what she's talking about. She's a, a year ahead in a secondary school. So, and I know it's been a, a bugbear of hers the way it's written. Uh, youth, the way youths talk. And she's right. I mean, you call it an Xbox rather than a games console. I suspect it's because you can't have product placement, Catherine. That's the reason why this rather arcane language is used. Uh, she describes Jenny as an unreconstructed woman. Brian would have actually sorted out the will. He would have known this bequest. Uh, I, yeah, I take your point, but maybe this is a layer of, of Jenny that's you know, we didn't know about. She has been secretive about various things, hasn't she? She's kept some things very hidden, as Adam is discovering, with uh, finding out about Paddy and so forth with those with that letter. So maybe it was Jenny mm. saying, you're not going to get all your own way here, Brian. And he seemed very chilled about it, I thought, Brian. He didn't seem put out at all that he didn't know about this 15 grand. Brian is chilled about everything at the moment. I don't know. He, he seems is. to be on some sort of very strong medication because he's not the normal Brian. Mm. <laughs> at all. He's not. I mean, I'm, yeah, Brian's my favourite, as you know, and uh, he's, I'm discombobulated by this <laughs> culinary Brian that we've got and uh, a touchy-feely and telling Adam that he loves him. I mean, I had to sit down after that <clears throat> take and breathe into a paper bag. <laughs> um, yeah, Rob, Robert's going to be... That's another death they're going to have to deal with. I, I think, uh, Catherine, they're just going to have to pace this out because, you know, we had such a big issue with Jenny's death. I think to hit us with another one quite soon. Um, but it's going to be have to, have to be dealt with, isn't it? And, mm. God, yeah, Grey Gables. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, Grey Gables is getting as bad as the gills, isn't it? I mean, when are we going to hear from the gills? And when's this damn hotel going to reopen? Great call, yeah, it's, it's nonsense. When George and Brad were saying, oh... It's so much larger. You know, what What have they done with this place? But I don't know if you've gone on TripAdvisor, Q, but uh, I was having a look this week and there is actually Grey Gables there on TripAdvisor. It's got 98 no. reviews. Yes, Grey Gables Hotel. Uh, for example, in May last year, someone's given it one star. I am most disappointed <laughs> to be rung by a young woman called Tracy who told me they're closing for a year and my booking is cancelled. She sounded quite upset. I wish her well at finding another job. And the owner of Grey Gables has responded, we're sorry to hear about this, but we are closed for the renovation. We already updated the information on our website 
and also on TripAdvisor. I mean, it's absolutely super to go along and have a look at the different reviews. Well, the Arches is real, as, as we all know, so I'm not surprised that you found it. Uh, <laughs> but one other thing, uh, Brian hooking up with Thingy, as, as Catherine would refer to people she can't remember. Joy. Joy. It's Joy, Catherine. Uh, <laughs> Do you, do, you, uh, I can't, do you reckon Brian and Joy? I don't know. Mm, I can't see it no, at the moment. No, I don't see it myself. He's he's not happy singing in the hot tub, is our Brian? So no, I think we'll we'll keep those two separate. But Catherine, you are a star as always, and I thank you so much for your call. We need to move on. Our next caller inra is Scissor Sisters, Sarah. Hello, Sarah from Smethwick. Caller in ring here. Um, it'll be nice to hear. P&Q again next week, so hi. Well, what a week we've had in Ambridge, with a cliffhanger suggesting that Rob will be back. But note, suggest. All we know is he's back in the country, no indication that he's imminently returning to Ambridge. However, I might take some twisted delight in hearing Helen being paranoid for the next few weeks, always wondering if she's being watched. Hang on, just like her dairy workers are being watched. Thanks to the silly window. By the way, good on Susan for sticking up for her and Clary's employment rights. Less good on Susan for placating George after Chelsea messed up his haircuts. He had no right to talk to her in the way that he did. And to follow on from the advice Adil gave George earlier in the week, i.e. basically be decent, I'd like to give him a further hip tip. Don't upset people who are holding scissors. Then things were all went a bit uh, Scooby-Doo when he and Brad wound up paying a visit to Grey Gables, replete with alleged spooky ghosts. Who knows what's going on there? I would love to hear a genre-busting investigation headed by Danny Robbins of Uncanny Fame. Well, that's about all the sense I've got to speak, if indeed it was sense. Um, hopefully see you in Birmingham very soon. This is Sarah from Smethwick saying Tarara bit. Oh, Sarah, yes, that made a lot of sense. And I love the Tarara bit ending. It's always great. So looking forward to seeing you in Brum in a couple of weeks. It's all very exciting. Yes, so much that you said in that call, Sarah, so much that I want to talk about. But Good on Susan getting the pay rise. Yes, the only point was we don't know what the pay rise was. Helen seemed to have squeezed it out of nothing. So is it literally one pence an hour? And if you add it up over the week, it's enough to buy you a newspaper or something. I just didn't get that it was... Yeah, it didn't sound very generous. No! Penny pinching. And if Helen's now got to brick the window back up so Rob can't see in it, is there going to be this pay increase? I don't know. I mean, Helen's already just ordered them clothes several sizes too small, so they're squeezed into those as well. (laughs) And having to remember facts about all the cheese, it's too much now. And I'm just going to go on about this blog one more time because if they were doing a TikTok or a reel, then that would be a lot more of this time but i'm sorry this blog is driving me up the wall anyway sorry i've said it a few times in his defense george no this is the only thing i i will defend him about i thought he was very good actually when he started throwing sort of punter style questions at susan's trainer with for the answers because actually he came up with sort of daft things that people will ask 
So she was getting all clued up on all the technical mm. aspect of it, but he's asking these left field questions. And um, I thought he did that very well. And he also, oh, here's another defence. He, he, he held his own, didn't he, when uh, the QR code didn't work and he had to address a small crowd. So he does have some yes, abilities. He but he's a nasty piece of work. Um, Susan impressed me the way she negotiated. I'd, I'd like her on my side of a negotiating table. She's one of these people, I've worked with people like this, who mm. it's easier to say yes to than no to. It's a great skill. Because the, the thought of just having a prolonged discussion, negotiation with Susan would just drive <laughs> anybody nuts. You go, oh, yes, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. So, But also she's not a people pleaser. You yeah. know, Clary would have been too concerned about causing offence. Yeah. And Susan doesn't cause offence by what she says, but she just says it like it is yeah. in that respect. And I admire her. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and don't upset people holding scissors. That's a lesson for life. Mm. Nice to hear from you, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much for that call, Sarah. It was great. And now, more from Stephen, and he's got no truck for Titchener. Hello, you two. It's great to have the two of you back at the helm for a week. What's less great is the news delivered by Harrison on Friday's episode. It's clear that many Archers listeners, and many Dumpty Dummers, are delighted at the prospect of revisiting the Rob and Helen storyline. I am not one of them. I look back at that period as one of the low points in the programme's history. The strength of the Archers has always been that it presents a tapestry of contemporary rural life. The multiple storylines provide different perspective on what it's like to live in an English village, and if one thread is a bit stupid, it's fine. The next scene will provide some relief. That wasn't the case back at the height of the Rob and Helen era. As a single storyline became all-consuming, the Archers changed from being a multifaceted view of the countryside into a load of soap operatic nonsense. Instead of morally complex characters like Brian Aldridge, we had a pantomime villain in the shape of Rob, boo, and his awful mother, Ursula, hiss. It felt as if everything came to a halt while we were forced to endure this single-note melodrama. Let's not go back there. And if Rob does come back, there's still the hope that he will be killed in a squalid bar brawl before he ever gets near a microphone. If he does come back, then we're faced with a very dispiriting situation. If he's the bad guy... That means we will be expected to root for his antagonist. We will be expected to see Helen as the good one. Is that really what anybody wants? Oh, that's a curved ball from Stephen, isn't it? Helen, the good one. <laughs> Discuss. That should come up, actually, as an academic archer's paper at the meet-up in Brum, isn't it? Helen, the good one. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I've listened with great interest to Stephen's call uh, because... You know, in terms of drama, I mean, we knew Rob's going to come back and there's a part of us that is fascinated to see what will happen when he does. But listening to Stephen, it reminds me of of how utterly dominant Mm. that storyline was. And it hooked in a lot of people and it's kept people listening as a result. And do you know what? When his name was mentioned, I think we all had a sort of visceral reaction. I think we all thought, oh, God. You know, the thought of going through all that again really turned my stomach, actually. And I I would hope that, as we've discussed before, that it won't be too prolonged. But I don't know how <laughs> you deal with it, really, in a short, sharp way. Maybe it is a, a bar brawl or he's arrested or whatever, he fl- or he flees the country because he fears arrest. But it, it reminds me... Uh, 
you know, Alice's alcoholism really dominated as well. And when we were presenting this podcast full time, I mean, it was like every week we need, you know, we had a week when we weren't talking about Alice. It was like blessed respite. Thank goodness. <laughs> so I, um, I, 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 I agree with you, Stephen. I think it would really drag us all down again. But there's a part of me that's really fascinated as well. And I'd forgotten about his ghastly mother, Ursula. If I have to root for Helen, that's going to drag me down so much. But I do see what, what you're saying. <laughs> can't we just have George as the baddie? Can't, we, can't it just be that simple? I mean, Rob is so sinister. And then he's going to meet Lee. And Lee's going to put his Marvel characters in order of kindness as a way of combating Rob. It's just not going to work. It's going to be dreadful it really is i mean you know whoever puts mantis at the top of the order of kindness anyway i wouldn't do that but there we go uh stephen that was a super call thank you very much for that and we'll just see what unravels in the next week with the pantomime villain rob and his evil mother ursula anyway we now need to go on because no dumpty dum would be complete without with a spoon and this week he's giving us the willies Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Philippa, Quentin, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here The theme of today's call-in is ghost stories So good to talk with P&Q again They're like two ghosts from the past But like Casper, they are friendly ghosts this, of course, segues to Friday's dramatic episode, which was a ghost story in itself. First, we had foreshadowing on Thursday with Lee and Jack's happy play. Oh, Lee is such a good father to Jack and the only father he's really known. It caught on quickly and posted so on our Facebook page. Then on to Friday. First, odious George tormenting his younger cousin Brad. The scene was well set by the scriptwriters, and we thought we were in the hallways of the Overlook Hotel, waiting to be spooked by two girls in blue dresses. But the real ghost was yet to make his appearance, and when Harrison told Helen he had something to tell her, I'm sure many of us knew what he had to say. I do feel sorry for Helen. I know many find her to be a pill, and I do at times, but I think she's a good person who's been through a lot of crap in her life. I think we've recently forgotten the extent of the trauma that was Rob. I think Rob not only traumatized Helen, but all of us as well. She has to live with those memories, the memory of her stabbing him and the memory of her stint in the slammer. I imagine since then she's constantly been looking behind her back, but maybe his return will be good for her. She can confront the ghost, or should I say the boogeyman of her past. It will be like Friday the 13th or Halloween Part 2. I hope Lee gives Rob a good karate chop or two for the love of his life and proposes to her. And then we've heard from Rob for the last time. Or have we? Ha, 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 ha. Talk to you soon. <laughs> With this one, that's a great call. I love all the ghostly themes in that. that yes, we, we are friendly that, ghosts. That's out, of, that, that, that's, out of your pan, that's, that's out of your pantomime playbook, isn't it? He's... <laughs> Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, Rob, we thought, was a ghost of the past, but no, he's back. And the other spooky thing I thought this this week was that Justin wants to be the Borsetshire Business Angel of the Year. (laughs) And 
And he's competing with Martin for it. I just don't understand why, first of all, why they would aspire for that particular challenge or trophy. I mean, Chelsea should be Borsuch a business angel of the year. Chelsea to win. Chelsea to win. Mind you, as you know, they haven't been doing too well in the Premier League recently. We had to get sporting. Excuse me while I just take some of Brian's medication and go oh, to sleep. Are you banging on about blogs? I'll stick another HRT patch on and come to terms with Yeah, slap the patch on. Do you feel better now? <laughs> I need quite a few patches to feel better about Justin and his <laughs> business angel nonsense. No, with a spoon, that was a brilliant call, honestly. I, I always feel really pleased when I've thought of something that Witherspoon has thought of because it makes me feel vaguely intelligent for the week. And... Um, <laughs> The way he said that Rob has traumatised all of us as well, and that uh, just refers back to what I just said. You're right. You're right. We sort of half of us want it, and the other half mm. doesn't. But um, we shall see. We shall see. Problem. Thank you, Witherspoon. And now on to Rob, who had to call in for a second time because Robs have a habit of returning, don't they? Well, isn't that just bloody typical? I've spent all this time being urbane and witty and engaging, trying to get the name Rob back into mainstream. And what should happen? The bugger turns up again. Oh, I just stop flinching every time somebody mentions, I hate Rob, or, oh, that Rob's a swine. Massive ego, and I think everything's about me. Oh, well. Hey ho! Take care, everybody. See you soon. We don't hate you, Rob. We love you, Rob. He's feeling a bit uh, vulnerable, isn't he, our Rob? Um, I think we need to, to to big him up, big him up. We think you're urbane. We think you're witty. We think you're engaging, Rob. It's just certain Robs we don't like. So never fear. Well, it's like a few weeks ago when Pitt was called Philippa and I just thought, no, I won't have this. You can't use my name with that woman. So, yeah, Rob, I share your pain. Um, The only time my name is used, it's an abbreviation which I do like, is I watched James Bond last night, actually, is Q. I'm always chuffed as a Q in James Bond. So you get to be mentioned on James Bond and I'm one of the most irritating people in the Archers. That's... That's just great. Anyway, thanks for Uh, that. I I won't add anything to that. (laughs) Best not to. Let's get on to Marie Bray, (laughs) who's wondering which way Helen is leaning. Hello, Philippa and Quentin. It's Marie from Winchester. It's nice to have you back this week. Hope you're keeping well and hope all dum-de-dummers are well too. Um, Yeah, I was uh, uh, phoning in because of Friday's episode um, when Harrison turned up and uh my first thought was um is susan thinking is her little pay rise going to be able to cover george's bail um whatever dreadful thing he's gone and done um and it made me laugh because helen's reaction um absolutely hysterical first of all thinking as something happened to jack or henry um And then you would have thought that she would have then said Lee, but she asked about mum and dad. Um, Obviously, nothing's happened to them. And then I thought, well, she's going to say, what about Lee? But she didn't. She forgot all about him, which was really, really strange because you would have thought that she would have asked about Lee. Anyway, Rob Titchener coming back. That's going to be a bit juicy, isn't it? Um, So let's hope uh, we can... uh, 
listen to some really juicy storylines and um, hopefully it will be a bit more interesting than of late. Anyway, all the best to everybody. Happy Easter, happy Pesach, whichever you're celebrating. And um, take care and speak to you soon. Bye. Oh, thanks, Marie. Yes, happy Easter to you too. I agree. Helen just went from zero to 100. And yes, she was going through everybody except Lee. I thought she was going to start asking about her cheeses as well. Is the Borsetshire blue okay as well before she ever got to Lee? I don't know. It's just just seems very well it's just going to drag on isn't it and I've got no I've had I'm going to have to have some empathy well I, I to be fair I I thought I thought Helen showed remarkable judgment there because because she didn't mention Lee I think has proved that she realizes what a waste <laughs> of space he is like the rest of us um so <laughs> um I didn't notice she didn't mention Lee because I just listen and think about the man so well well, well, well spotted, uh, Marie. Uh, so um, she uh, she's uh, she's looking forward to uh, some juicy storylines, uh, which of course we will get if he does reappear. And she says better than recent ones, and she's right because I, I there have been some dreadful ones recently. They, I was moaning about them on Twitter, and they were so stupid. I can't remember what they were, so I'm glad I've forgotten them. But um, yeah, it does need a, a gear shift up, doesn't it, to get the the uh, just the juices flowing in the in the storylines again. It is going to be interesting, though, to hear how Henry deals with Rob, because the last interaction Henry had with Rob was when Rob was taking Jack out of the car, and Henry was saying, "Daddy, take me too," and Rob said, "No, I, I'm not your real daddy." Jack's, you know, Jack's mine, you're not mine. I'm taking Jack. And Henry was saying, no, please take me with you. And Rob said, you know, no. So to go from that extreme, I, I wonder how much the children are going to be it's, part of what lies ahead. It, remind me, is that why he's a person of interest? Because he tried to take Jack away. Is that the reason why? Uh, because he diverted the flood. Um, and so it's because of that, it's because of the attempted kidnapping. Right. Okay. So the flood, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, the flooding was made so much worse because of what Rob did. So it's yeah. it's that as well, because it caused death and destruction. This was 2017, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Is that, yeah. yeah. Six years. Wow. So there we go. Marie, thank you so much for that. And now on to our wonderful Claire who's feeling anxious in Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum, and welcome back, P&Q. Lovely to have you, even if only for a week. Um, uh, it's Claire from Clapham here, and I've got a weird echo because I've moved the sofa out of my living room and I've just repainted the walls and I've realised it's all a bit strange. Anyway, um, yes, what a week in the Archers. Uh, I think we all feel our blood pressure's gone up a little bit, hasn't it, at the end of the week here? Uh, our anxiety's ticking up a bit, at least um, mine is. Firstly, by the seemingly kind of inevitable drift of George into toxic masculinity, incelly kind of attitudes. Uh, he's just a horrible bully, but also confused and a bit lost and very impressionable age. And I think it's a way of showing how, you know, um, you just have to be careful. He desperately needs a really positive male role model. 
Um, and I'm not quite sure where that's going to come from. I think Ardell had a go the other week, but I don't think it's sticking. Um, what he also needs is pushback from women. Yay, Chelsea, who took no shit. I love Chelsea more and more. And I think actually, after all the trauma of her um, kind of a unexpected pregnancy and so on, she just, just seems to have really grown in maturity off the back of that. Um, and her kind of fierceness about defending Brad, um, I really admire it. I think she's really going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I hope she doesn't end up just having random arguments with George and then they all sort of fall into a relationship or something. Do not want that. I want her to hold firm and go for something better than awful George. Um, and of course, we've all been waiting for Rob to come back and now it's worse because we know he's around. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very triggering for some people. So we'll all hold each other's hands. Keep up the good work. See you next week. Yes, lovely to be here too, Claire. Thank you for that lovely, cheerful welcome back to us. Um, yeah, like Lily earlier on, your concern about George's drift into sort of toxic masculinity and showing incel characteristics. Um, yeah, I think we're all agreed on that. But like you, I reveled in that scene with Chelsea. I thought she was magnificent mm. and she will have no truck with George. And maybe, maybe... When she stands up to him, she might be his saviour. I mean, the, the positive role model might be Chelsea. I was thinking perhaps Oliver, because his inherent goodness, his generosity, presumably he'll mentor and keep a tabs on where his five grand is going, might help George. But, um, yeah, that, that's one to watch, certainly. I just wanted Susan to back Chelsea up, to say to George, well, why did she do that? What was the reason? Instead of just being this overly sweet forgiving grandmother I just wanted her mm. to follow through with that and when George said when they were had, were on the side of the road or near Grey Gables and they heard a car and saw a police car George's response was it's the feds I mean it just shows the nonsense he's watching <laughs> honestly but Claire no that was brilliant thank you so much and now we go to our final call from Jeff who isn't convinced by Adam and Kate hello Jeff here Travelling through London, a little bit of a hoarse voice because I've got a bit of uh, bronchitis or something. Sorry about that. Welcome back to Quentin and Philippa. Always enjoyed your episodes. So looking forward to uh, your the next Dumpty Dum. A couple of comments. It's always terrifying to think about the idea of uh, someone threatening your children and you don't know where they are and so on. Powerful plot line. And is uh, Rod already holed up in Grey Gables? I can't see other reason for uh, of the rather silly episode with George and Brad. Speaking of other events in the Archers, I thought that Adam and Kate, uh, it was a little too easy uh, over the agreeing to the new will. It seems to me that wills a very difficult area and will probably lead to some long-standing resentments. Otherwise, good scene with Justin. Enjoyed his comeuppance in the Eurovision Song Contest. Have a nice time with your new episode. Bye. Oh, 
Oh, thanks, Jeff. Sorry to hear you're not well. I haven't been well this week either. When I phoned the doctors for an appointment, they said, is it an emergency? I said, yes, I'm doing dumpty dum on Sunday. I need to be able to speak without coughing. But anyway, um, that scene with Adam and Kate, I agree. They started off like, oh, this is terrible. How dare they? And within seconds, yeah. oh, we're just going yeah. to support Alice. It, did, it, it didn't, didn't, didn't it? ring uh, true at all. I just felt it was one of those classic scenes where they're trying to get through a particularly tricky tricky. A plot line quickly so they spell it all out to us and they're all very reasonable it all felt too labored and as jeff said it's far too easy both of them have too much of a pushover wills really can be a a, a flashpoint for families mm. and i cannot see them willingly saying okay yeah martha deserves special treatment compared to our kids so I, I just felt that was a, a, a quick fix device and I wasn't yeah, convinced by agreed. it. Agreed. But thanks so much for your call, Jeff, and get well soon. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So those are the calls. Wow, we had so many of them. Thank you for those. But uh, you can also send us an email if you'd prefer. Visit the dumptydum.com website. That's with a T in the middle, dumptydum.com website, and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page please keep them brief up to a maximum of 250 words and do remember also you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so we go from our caller inners to our email inners. And our first email this week, I was so delighted when this came through on the email. It's from the much missed, I think, Anon of Ambridge. We haven't done this for almost a year. And he, she, whoever remembered that we're on. So here we go. Yes, I've really missed these. <laughs> Dear P&Q. Oh, the spelling of this is appalling. I was reading the church newsletter, and it said you were visiting Ambridge this weekend. So I hope it is OK for me to write, R-I-T-E, to you both again. I was, with a Z, talking to Adam in the ball. I did fall asleep, but I woke up to hear him saying he liked cherry and cinnamon ice cream the best. I have never heard, H-E-R-D, of this before, and I don't know if he was joking. Please help. Anon of Ambridge. 
nice to hear from you again, Anon. Uh, uh, actually, I'm glad. Uh, do you know, I'm glad they've, they've emailed in because <laughs> what? they've highlighted a unique moment in Archer's history. Adam attempted to tell a joke. And this is this is unheard of. <laughs> I know. The Gruffalo ice cream. The Gruffalo flavour. Ridiculous. To the kids. I know. I mean, I was it's rolling scary. about in the aisles. I was. I, I gasping for breath. Oh, and then he really prefers cherry and cinnamon. So, uh, Anon, you were right. I mean, who likes cherry and cinnamon? Adam, say no more. So I thought, that, I thought Anon, you've showed good judgment there by falling asleep while Adam spoke, which is perfectly understandable behaviour. But so you did hear the punchline. So that's the main thing. Uh, so, yeah, Adam's joke. OK, Q, favourite ice cream? Uh, I, I love anything with honeycomb in. Oh, give me honeycomb. <sighs> love that. Yeah. OK. Mm. I'm more of a caramel, so your Haagen-Dazs pralines and cream is probably top of my list. If anybody I know likes cherry and cinnamon ice cream, I, I am not going to know you anymore because it, that, those are just things that don't <laughs> deserve to be in an ice cream. I'm sorry. But anyway, Anon, thank you. You've... Uh, <laughs> You've really made me laugh. Anyway, our second email is from our very own Jacqueline. Hi, Philippa and Quentin. Thanks for doing Dum De Dum this week. I'm having a sunrise walk over Juno Beach in Normandy. I guess Royf will be stuffing himself with Pascal Lamb at his mum's in Birmingham. This is a call to all embroiderers or textile artists. If you are doing a piece of work for our Birmingham textile, I look forward to seeing it there. If you're not coming to Brum, but have an archers related piece, not measuring more than 20 centimetres by 20 20 centimetres, we can still include it. We now have an address in Birmingham where you can post it. It needs to be there by Thursday the 20th, so you have 10 days to finish and get it to us. To get the address, DM me, that's Jacqueline, on Twitter at jbertosanguen or email direct at jacqueline.berto at yahoo.fr for France or via our Dum De Dum Facebook page. Happy Easter all. Well, Thank you for your calls and emails. We love them. Do keep calling in. And now let's move on to Facebook. And we need to say an do to you too. Mary. Trish. Graham. And Maggie. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for a roundup with the tireless Stephen. Hello again, you two. It's been one of those weeks on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page where we've talked about a huge range of topics without any one of them dominating the discussion. Let's start at Bridge Farm and the twins' modelling contract. Tom really is a weasel, said Kate Lyle, which feels a bit unfair on weasels. Rachel Keane seemed to agree. For once, I totally agree with Helen. I feel this storyline will have long-term repercussions for the Bridge Farm brand if the modelling job becomes public knowledge while Catherine Newman tried to be fair. I just want to know how much money the modelling job is paying. Then I will have the full facts as I sit in judgement of Tom and Natasha. But yes, yes, he is indeed a weasel. Still at Bridge Farm, Kate Penfold had a more practical question. Does anyone else think it's strange to have a family open day on a non-bank holiday Monday? I realise that school holidays may have started, but... This is the same county where Clary and Susan recently went to two different craft fairs that took place midweek, John McGee pointed out. I thought it odd at the time that they didn't take place at the weekend. Maybe it's a Borsetshire thing. And before we leave the dairy window, Liz Eden had something to say. As a trade union official, I cheered Susan as she asked for recognition, a pay rise. Lillian McCarthy agreed. 
Yes, absolutely. I also hope Clary gets one as well. They definitely deserve it, especially after they weren't even consulted about the wretched window in the first place. That really annoyed me, by the way. Can you tell? Recognition by way of blog posts don't butter no parsnips, added Lynn Rafferty. Go, Susan. Helen represents everything that's wrong with management culture in Britain, said David Thomas. And it was David Thomas who also asked one of the week's big questions. Why does Jolene talk like a pirate? Benjamin Kevin had clearly noticed this feature. It's definitely got more smoky and piratey over the years, he said. Elizabeth Ann Bailey couldn't help chipping in. I think he's very articulate. Hmm. Personally, I think that the real question here is, why do pirates all speak with Borsetshire accents when it's a landlocked county? But let's move on. Sarah Evans posted a link to a Guardian article about King Charles signalling the first explicit support for research into the British monarchy's ties to slavery. Interesting, she said. Reminds me of the Lower Loxley storyline. Claire Hinckley posted a link to a BBC Academy podcast called How Do They Make the Archers? Guy Williams flagged up a question on the archers in last week's episode of Mastermind, while our very own Quentin posted a screenshot from The Chase where the archers was a possible answer to a question. And Louise Lawton and Mike Jennings both posted links to media articles about a forthcoming celebrity visit to Ambridge in connection with the Eurovision Song Contest next month. And both Jacqueline and Cara Courage provided us with information about the big academic archers and Dumpty Dum mashup event in Birmingham that is happening in less than two weeks' time. I'll be there. And I look forward to meeting as many of the people behind the Facebook group posts as I can over the course of the weekend. And on that note, I'll hand you back to the studio. Thank you so much, Stephen. That was great. And to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. And don't forget, you can also find us on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you try and include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Don't forget also that that hashtag the archers or one word is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet along as well as at dumpty dum we're both on twitter i can be found at quickbook review with a three instead of a w and i'm at 13 minute man that's one three minute man as ever purple pumpkin is here to hand out the gongs hello it's fry here and now on dumpty dum it's time for tweet of the week Hello, Philippa, Quentin and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. For most of this week, the Archer's Twitter was busy being down on George, but it's now become obsessed by the close of Friday's episode and whether it presages Rob's reappearance at Bridge Farm. So here are my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Jane Bramley, at Jane Bramley. The twins are going to be on every billboard in Borsetshire. Tony will be so disappointed he'll throw himself under one of his model trains and there will be no more babysitting ever. (laughs) In silver, it's Finton T, at Finton the Wrong. When will Lee start helping out in Helen's business so we can start calling him Dairy Lee? And the gold medal this week goes to Charlie Notton at 19CEN. Rob is returning. Come on, you know he is. Pat has a shotgun. Lee knows karate. 
we're going to need significantly more popcorn. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- those, those three amongst my favourite tweeters anyway, so... Congratulations, all three. Yeah, yeah, very good. And don't forget, we're on Instagram at Dumpty Dum with some great posts. Thanks to the wonderful Katie. Well, as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices, and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royful Brown, and of course, Jacqueline Berthaud. Thank you all so much for listening and joining us today. I have had so much fun. <laughs> well, it's a bye bye from me. And as Gangster Susan would say, keep shaking that booty. Bye-bye, and we'll see you in Brum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.